time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. I'm looking out the window right now. I'm seeing the most beautiful Ozark Mountain sunset. I mean, the sky is just these amazing hues of pink and blue. And God is just such a master painter. It's just like cotton candy out there. Anyway, enough about the sunset. Hey, last time I told you that uh, I had a special announcement that I wanted to make and something I wanted to share with you. I have been given and invited uh, to be a guest lecturer at an international school of leadership, Christian leadership uh, in Asia. And I'm not going to say exactly where I'm going yet, but uh, I wanted just to tell you I've been invited to go there and to spend a week training future Christian leaders uh, from some 20 Asian nations the school uh, ministers to. And I will be there for a week uh, in the spring, in the late spring, uh, leading these uh, future leaders and pastors. And I'm very, very excited about the opportunity to go there and also speak to some churches while I'm there and some other leadership groups. And, um, you know, if you're a part of my newsletter that I send out about once a month every now and then I'll send out two a month it's just an email update and many times it's a video update sometimes just a print update online but um, if you'd like to be a part of my newsletter then go to jeffkinley.com and just scroll down the right hand side about the third little box down the right hand side it says subscribe to my newsletter and that's that's the way you get updates on things that are happening uh, in the ministry and also ways that um, that you know what's going on uh, where I'm going to be speaking, that type of thing. But uh, the reason I share that with you is I ask you to pray because um, this Christian school, obviously they're going to house me and feed me and that type of thing, but I've got to get my way over there and pay for some other incidentals uh, to be able to go over there and to minister to these uh, folks. So in my newsletter that I'm going to be sending out uh, hopefully this week, uh, I am uh, asking people to pray about ways that they can help support me. I need to raise about $2,500 uh, for this trip, and so if you'd like to be a part of that, then uh, you can go to jeffkinley.com and uh, click on the donate tab and uh, give any amount you want. Uh, any amount helps. I'm going to be asking uh, folks to to consider giving $250 to help sponsor me on this trip. But again, any amount that you uh, would like to give is fine. And uh, otherwise, just pray. Just pray, okay? So, hey, we're talking about the real Jesus. And last week we talked about some of the phony, false, faux images that Jesus has in the minds of a lot of people, uh, images that they've kind of conjured up in his mind. And, you know, in, that happens when we detach ourselves from Scripture's Jesus. Because if we want to know who Jesus is, we have to uh, get to the Scripture. But the deal is, is that when we do that, we also short-circuit the very power of the gospel itself. Because if you don't know who the real Christ is, how are you really to understand what he's done for you? I mean, that's why we don't need fresh visions of Jesus today. We just need more biblical ones. And I remember in Jesus' uh, letters to the seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, Christ reviews these churches and repairs rather a distorted image that they had of him by unmistakably presenting himself with clarity and authority. And that's one of the things I see missing today from the church Christ is presented as just some guy that wants to make you feel good some guy to give you spiritual goosebumps 
to give you that warm feeling deep down in your soul. And that's it. But in Revelation, Jesus himself describes himself as a redeeming, loving, glorified, all-encompassing, sovereign, death-conquering, sword-wielding, judgment-bringing, second-coming Lord and King. Question, is that how you see him? Or is he still walking around the earth in sandals and a robe, passing out fish and healing sick people? Yes, that was his earthly ministry. But Christ is now resurrected, restored to the right hand of God the Father, and he is a glorified Christ. And the Christ of Revelation chapter 1, in fact, was so traumatic to John, the Apostle John, who received the vision of Revelation. It was such a traumatic encounter with that Revelation Christ that the Bible says that John fell on his face as a dead man. When's the last time you were so traumatized by the glory of God that you simply shut up and got on your face and was silent before him? And like Job said, I place my hand over my mouth and I let God speak. You see, that's the Jesus of Revelation, the Jesus of the Bible. You know, I wonder what Jesus would say to those churches today who are not proclaiming this revelation Christ, but rather just giving a happy message, telling a nice story from a book. Here's something to make you feel good about yourself. I wonder what he would say. I wonder what he would say to those churches who merely want to draw large crowds, who merely want to have elaborate stage presentations. You know what? I've got news for you. God yawns at most church services today. And I'm talking about the church services that come out and they get people, hey, hey everybody, how you doing? Let's get happy. Get on your feet and let's praise the Lord. And the lights go down, then the lights go up, and the pastor comes on, and the guy does the announcements, and everybody's cool and hip, and everything's great. God is yawning, and then he's crying. Because in the midst of all that, sometimes the power of God is lost in our presentation. Because you can't, you can't conjure up the power of God. You can't conjure up or manufacture the kind of response to God that only comes through presenting the truth of God's Word, God's vintage truth. You can't make this stuff up, and yet we're, we're working ourselves up in churches today, getting all excited about God. What do you mean getting all excited? Why? Why are you excited about God? What truth are you responding to that's causing you to get excited? So the Jesus that is presented in churches today, I, I just wonder. I think we need to do a lot of self-evaluation. That's the point. And ask ourselves, are we presenting Jesus as he is? Or are we simply just trying to help people get by? That's a good question. What would Jesus say to congregations where there's a whole lot of talk about relationship with him, but very little talk about repentance? There's celebration of God, but there's no sacrifice for God. 
there's a high value placed on friendship, but not much emphasis placed on lordship. And I believe this is where the threat of straying from God is, is most subtle. Because we can talk about really good Christian things and still miss the Christ that we talking that we're talking about. So that's why we need in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, a contextually complete portrait of Jesus. It, it, you know, it's like this. It's like name your favorite actor. All right, think about him or her right now. See, the reason that they're your favorite actor or actress or whatever you call them, if you want to be, you know, politically correct, they're all actors. The reason they're your favorite actor is because you saw them in a role that really connected with you, that really inspired you or shocked you or scared you or motivated you or touched your emotions in some way. And so you have this connection with this actor. And so when you see pictures of that actor, like on the Internet or whatever, you immediately think of that role that you saw. You know, you had this connection because that's what people do with Jesus. They pick out a role that Jesus played in the Gospels, perhaps, something he did for people, maybe the way he treated someone, and they kind of camp out on that. They kind of camp out on, on this one thing that Jesus did. Now, they don't see Jesus Christ in his totality. Now, if you were to walk up to your favorite actor, and uh, let's just say you walk up to, you know, I walk up to Mel Gibson or something, he's one of my favorite actors, or Denzel Washington. I go up to Denzel Washington and say, dude, man, remember the Titans? Come on now. You rock that role. I mean, I think about that role. You are so inspiring. Man, Denzel, you are the coach. He would say, he would say thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But guess what? I'm not that coach. That's just a role that I played in a movie. The real Denzel Washington plays many roles. <laughs> so, I hope you don't think that I'm that role or that that's the only thing you appreciate me for because I've did a whole lot more movies. Watch this. Jesus Christ wasn't playing a role when he healed the sick or raised the dead or fed the 5,000 or taught in the temple or gave the Sermon of the Mount or was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration or, or when he rose from the dead or when he ascended to heaven. Those weren't roles he was playing. Those were all snapshots and, and scenes and vignettes of the life of Jesus while he was here on earth. That's a part of the whole Jesus. And so we can't just camp out of one of those and just say, oh, that's my kind of like my pet role that he played. We've got to take Christ in his totality. And so God wants us to know and embrace all of his son, not just the parts we prefer. So that's what, that's what the Bible gives us, this, this glorious big picture of Jesus. Not little conveniently chosen snapshots of his life or of his character or of his ministry. Now, here's, here's the good news. The good news is that it's not left up to me and you to define who Jesus is. God's already done the heavy lifting for us, providing all that we need to know through the revelation of Scripture, through the Gospels, through Genesis, through the Old Testament. And so that's to our advantage because guess what? Our judgment can't be trusted anyway, right? I mean, you know, if I just invent a Jesus in my mind, he's not going to look like the Jesus of the Bible. You know why? Because there's been this effect on my mind, on our minds, as to our ability to comprehend 
spiritual truth by ourselves. So God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He helped us discover what Jesus and what he and the Holy Spirit is really like. And, you know, it, it, that's just highlights a fact that, you know, even during Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus even then refused to trust people's hearts, you know. Even after some people believed in his name. In fact, there's a passage in John chapter 2. Listen to what John says here. He says, now, uh, 2.23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, beholding his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them because he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man, the heart of man. You see, Jesus knows whether or not we are sincere. So it's not about us, you know, trusting in Jesus. It's about, hey, does he trust in us? Does he trust in what we're seeing in him? Does he trust in the evaluation, the image, and the idea that, that he is in our minds that we got from Scripture? See, so, so Christ is evaluating our image of him. And I'm not talking about a mental image in terms of what he looks like, you know, beard, hair, robe, that kind of thing. I'm talking about who he is, his character. So he knows our motives. And he knows that we have this crippling disability when it comes to finding him and understanding him on our own. So, so that brings up a great question. Where does your image of Jesus come from? Now, again, I'm, I'm not talking about a, a mental picture, a portrait in your mind of what God looks like. I'm talking about how you understand who Jesus is. As we talked about earlier, there's such a, a famine of Bible knowledge in the church today because pastors are, they're reading from fairy tales. They're, they're, re they're quoting people in the pulpit but they might not be opening the Bible and explaining it verse by verse to their people. Now, let me be clear. There are many pastors who do that. And if you find a pastor that truly unpacks the Scripture because he understands the Scripture, if he, if he does that, then you are truly blessed. Hang on to that pastor. But that's not the vast majority of what's going on today. People are there to... They're there to entertain, perhaps to inform you a little bit, but they're, but they're not equipping you from the Bible. And, and you know what? It would be embarrassing right now if I gave you some examples of what I know is going on in some churches that I know of and the kind of sermons that people are hearing, what they're walking away with. It's nothing. They have nothing of depth or of substance for their life. It's just a happy thought for the day or maybe a little challenge, you know, that kind of thing preaching the Bible, man. That's what it's all about. So, so where does your image of Jesus stem from? Well, see, without God's divine revelation in the Bible, you can actually end up believing in Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Let's say, for example, someone's going through a hard time. Maybe they're going through a divorce or they're going through, you know, facing cancer or some you know, deadly disease, or, or maybe their child's run away, from, run away from home or something. And, you know, those are all legitimate life traumas, not to downplay those things at all. But if someone then says to this person, well, hey, 
hey listen if you just if you just give your life to Jesus trust Jesus man I'll, you'll be okay and all of a sudden they oh great I came to Jesus because I was going through a divorce through a hard time I was depressed and, and I, so I came to Jesus and so after you come to Jesus guess what your wife still divorced you your child didn't come back and you still have cancer so this whole Jesus thing's like whoa 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 hang on I, I feel like I've been given this sales pitch here and I didn't get anything for it so you see sometimes people come to Christ for all the wrong reasons they think Jesus is going to make their life better physically speaking materially speaking and sometimes that happens but that's not his primary reason for coming into your life and being your Lord and Savior he's got an agenda that's whoa way much deeper than that it's way really better than that so we have to to be careful that the Christ that we're trusting in for salvation and watch this Christian the Christ that you're walking with every day that you're talking to every day is the Christ of Scripture and not some warped depiction of him that you've kind of put together as believers we have to guard against embracing a Savior who simply suits our spiritual taste buds or fits our theological or social or moral or political constructs. You see, the Bible dictates what we think about Jesus. We don't dictate who Jesus is. It's human nature to do that, don't get me wrong, but it becomes intrinsically defective and dysfunctional spiritually speaking hey it's also sinful as well so we have to be careful that we don't create this conjured up Christ that's loosely biblical but all the practical details are filled in by our own human imagination and really Jesus just becomes a God of our own making when you make your own God that's called idolatry by the way he becomes a creation born out of fantasy rather than reality and so failing to understand who Jesus is from Scripture leads to false conclusions, watch this, about the nature of the gospel itself. You see, the redefining of Jesus in Christianity is not some new phenomenon. It's been going on for 2,000 years. And there's so many examples. In fact, Dr. Mark Hitchcock and I talk about some of these examples in our book, The Coming Apostasy exposing the sabotage of Christianity from within. If you want to dive into some deep biblical truth, go get that book. You know, one of the things that Jesus came to do was to reveal the Father to us. In fact, in John 1.14, the Bible says that he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth, John 1.14 and 18. This is what Hebrews 4 tells us. Verse 15 says, Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself also partook of the same. He had to be made like his brethren, that's us, in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Later on, the, the author of Hebrews says, we don't, we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Hey, 
Jesus knows what it's like to walk the earth. Like us, he worked, he sweat, he grew hungry, he became tired. He felt the, the wide range of emotions that we feel. Joy and peace, sadness, disappointment, and even the dark night of the soul. He experienced the hurt of being abandoned by those he loved the most. And he identifies with our mental stress and physical abuse. He bled and he died. He was 100% human. Oh, gosh, we're just getting started here. Hey, listen, next time we're going to dive even deeper into who Jesus Christ really is. I hope you'll join me. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.